0: Welcome to Simpler Bible, a daily journey to biblical understanding. Today for episode 38, we're going to cover something we've already talked about a little bit in some previous episodes, but we're going to go into a little bit more detail, try to flesh it out. Today, we're going to talk about the Sabbath, and we're going to look at that from Exodus 31. Exodus 31, we covered a little bit of that yesterday with the Holy Spirit filling a man for building the tabernacle, but today we're going to begin in verse 12. So Exodus 31, beginning in verse 12, says this, The Lord said to Moses, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctify you or that I am the Lord who makes you holy or uh, sanctification uh, sanctified is something that is set apart as holy. So verse 14, you shall keep the Sabbaths because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. All right, so the Sabbath is supposed to be a sign that God is the one who makes us holy. Or in this case, remember, practical example and then spiritual example. There's a practical truth in the Sabbath that was uh, in in conjunction with the law that Moses received when he came down from the Ten Commandments or came down with the Ten Commandments. One of those was the Sabbath. And then there is the spiritual implication. And I find that... A lot of us who have grown up in and around church, we we focus primarily the Sabbath on the practical side of it rather than the spiritual side of it. What does it mean? Like none of us are still looking for Aaron to be our high priest. Christ is our high priest. None of us are still looking to go into the tabernacle. We know that we are welcome now into the presence of God. None of us are still looking forward to finding an animal and sacrificing it. We know that Christ is our sacrifice. So. How is the Sabbath fulfilled spiritually in Christ? That's the question that we want to answer today. And there is a little bit of a hint in this uh, when we talked about manna some while ago in Exodus 16. So the idea of the Sabbath is that you don't do any work on it so that God can be shown to be the one who made us holy. And if you think about it, like there was a there was a man later in the, in the story of, of Moses, there was a man as they were wandering in the wilderness who was gathering sticks on the Sabbath. And the people said, God, what should we do about this guy? They come to Moses, what should we do? Moses asked God, what should we do? And God goes, put him to death. So when I was growing up, I was taught, you don't work on the Sabbath. I've heard sermons where people have said, don't mow your yard on on Sunday. By the way, Sunday, the first day of the week, has never been called the Sabbath in the Bible. It's not the Sabbath of Christians. The Sabbath was always a Jewish thing. It was always Friday night sundown to Saturday night sundown. But regardless of that. People would say stuff like, don't do your dishes on the Sabbath. Um, I've heard people say Christians shouldn't go out to eat after church on Sundays because you're forcing people to break the Sabbath. Listen, that is a very legalistic, law-minded view of the Sabbath. We need to think about it from the perspective of the spiritual aspect. And so what we're going to do today is consider a couple of things. And I want you to remember our conversation on the manna and how the people would go out week or day after day to gather the bread, right? Uh, the manna that fell on the ground. But on the seventh day, there was none because God wanted to show that he was providing for the people. And the penalty for breaking the Sabbath is death. The penalty for, for violating the Sabbath is death. So if you work on the Sabbath, you're going to die. That's how seriously God felt about it. And yet I can't imagine that like people are wandering wander- wow wandering around under the judgment of God because they mowed their lawn on a Saturday or a Sunday. And so we have to ask ourselves, what does this mean for the Christian? What does the Sabbath mean for the Christian? So, great question. Glad you asked. Thanks for coming along for the ride. We're going to jump over to Hebrews 4. And realistically, what I should have done is I should have included a little bit of Hebrews 3 in this. So let me give you a little bit of the background from Hebrews 3. Hebrews 3 talks about the people that we're talking about in Exodus right now who are wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. And these people have been wandering in the wilderness and the Bible tells us that they were unable to go into the promised land. They were unable to go into the rest of God, the promised land, because of disobedience, disbelief, and lack of faith. And so they were prevented from going into the rest because of disobedience, disbelief, and lack of faith. Now, I was taught growing up, I even remember vaguely a hymn that we used to sing in churches growing up that made me think that the promised land was heaven. But according to Hebrews 3 and 4, the promised land is better pictured as a relationship with God, coming into faith, coming into salvation. And so let's look at some things from Hebrews 4. I want you to notice a couple of things. Hebrews 4, beginning in verse 1. I know we're in Exodus, whatever we are today, 31. But we're talking about the Sabbath, which means we have to come to the New Testament. Also, remember that Jesus was accused of breaking the Sabbath. He was accused of breaking the Sabbath because he healed people on the sick. He commanded a man to carry his mat on the Sabbath. He commanded other people to get up and carry their mats on the Sabbath. He allowed his servants, his disciples to gather grain on the Sabbath. So all the Pharisees are like, oh my goodness, he's breaking the Sabbath. Ask yourself this question. Would Jesus break any of the laws? No, he didn't. But the Pharisees believed it meant no work. In fact, you might not know this, but the Pharisees were like, we want to be really careful. We're observing the Sabbath. So we've got to figure out what work is And they decided walking further than two miles was work. And they decided carrying anything heavier than a dried fig was work. So you can't carry anything heavier than a dried fig. And you can't walk further than two miles or you're breaking the Sabbath. That was man's addition to it, not God's. So Christ is doing things on the Sabbath. He's working on the Sabbath. And yet he's not breaking the Sabbath because he had a spiritual perspective of it and not an earthly perspective of it. So back to Hebrews 4 verse 1. Therefore, remember the author of Hebrews has written about these people who didn't go into the promised land because of their lack of faith. Therefore, while a promise of entering God's rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For the good news, the gospel, came to us just as it did to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because it was not united by faith. What have we already learned? Righteousness comes by faith. Salvation comes by faith, not by works. Keep that in your mind, okay? For we who have believed, we who have faith, enter God's rest. Listen, hear this. I know you're going, Ryan, this doesn't say the Sabbath. Bear with me. So here's the rest. Okay, here's the rest. And they didn't enter in. The people who died in the wilderness didn't enter in because it was not united by belief. It was not united by faith. But we who believe God, we who believe Christ, enter into God's rest. For he has said, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has said somewhere of the seventh day in this way, God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. So God is done with all of his works from the foundation of the world. God is done with his works. Again, in this same passage, he says, they shall not enter my rest. Uh, This, they shall not enter my rest is a reference to Psalm 95, seven through eight. It'll be quoted about four times, five times between Hebrews chapters three and chapter four. It's a very, he quotes it a lot in this section or whoever the author is, right? So verse four again, it is said somewhere, or it is spoken somewhere of the seventh day in this way, God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. And again, in this passage, he says, they shall not enter my rest since therefore it remains for some to enter it. for It's still Open for some to enter God's rest, and those who formerly received the good news, the gospel, failed to enter because of their disobedience. Again he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David, after so long a time, and the words already quoted, and this is Psalm 95 again, today if you hear God's voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given the people rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. All right, let me let me paint this picture for you. People are wandering in the wilderness. And Joshua eventually leads the people into the promised land. Now, after this, okay, you've got six years of conquest, 350 years of judges, 40 years of King Saul, and then David. So you've got in the neighborhood of 400 years before David. David is going to write a psalm. He's going to write the 95th psalm and say that there is a promise of entering into God's rest. Now, David at this point is living in Jerusalem, reigning from Jerusalem. The people are living in the promised land. So when God promised the people rest, if entering into the promised land was all God meant, then why is David 400 years later saying that there is still a promise of entering into his rest? There's still a possibility. If all God meant was, I'm going to give you Israel, David is living in Israel. He's living in Jerusalem. He has that. David though is called a prophet in Acts chapter 2 and David is writing about the spiritual rest, the spiritual sabbath that there remains a sabbath rest for the people of God so that as we enter as we believe who Christ is let me I'm getting ahead of myself I'm sorry but here's what he says in verse 8 if Joshua had given the people rest why would David write about a, another day of rest 400 years later verse 9 we've been seeing the word rest over and over but look at verse 9 so then there remains a sabbath rest For the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from all of his works just as God did. Remember at the beginning of this chapter, it said God has done with all his works. Thus, let us strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same example of disobedience. Now, here's what I need you to think about. The rest here is faith the rest here is being done with our works you have to understand and remember that the jews believed that righteousness was a matter of works the jews believed that righteousness was a matter of what they could do what they could accomplish and yet we know as believers we know that righteousness is a matter of what christ accomplished it's what christ has done and so what we do is we enter into the completed work of god by faith and we rest we take we take rest knowing that God is the one who makes us holy. I want you to think about this for a little bit. Uh, I'll put this here as well, Matthew 28 through 30, which we've already referenced, but we'll reference it again. So what what Christ is inviting the people under the law in Matthew 11 to do, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. It's not like a nap. It's peace. It's being finished with our works, being able to say, oh my goodness, I'm done. I, I... I can rest in the completed work of God. And and what was the penalty? Sorry, go back to two things. Exodus 31, 13, God gives the Sabbath to prove what? That he's the one who makes us holy. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter four that if Abraham was righteous because of his works, he would have had something to boast about. If you and I were made righteous because of our works, then it's not God who makes us holy, it's us. But we're not righteous because of our works. We're righteous because of the work of Jesus Christ. Remember the manna? Our works, what we gather every single day, rots and spoils and fades, but the manna that was kept in the presence of God, the picture of Christ, remains forever and bears testimony forever of how God is the one that provides salvation. So Exodus thirty-one thirteen, the Sabbath rest is a picture that God's the one who makes us holy. We rest from our works and we enter into the work of Christ by faith By believing that he is the one who provided for us rest and salvation. What was the penalty in the Old Testament for breaking the Sabbath? The penalty in the Old Testament for breaking the Sabbath was death. Spiritually speaking, listen to me. If you do not cease your own works, and if you do not rely upon the finished work of Christ on the cross, if you don't put faith in the work of Jesus, what is the penalty for not having faith in the work of Jesus? Death. The Sabbath is a picture of salvation. The Sabbath isn't about taking a day off. It, as Look, Jesus is infinitely better as a sacrifice than the Old Testament sacrifices. Jesus is infinitely better as a priest than the Old Testament priest. Heaven is infinitely better than the tabernacle that Moses built. The spiritual Sabbath entering into the rest of God for righteousness is infinitely better than taking an afternoon off from mowing the lawn infinitely better. Now look, if you're saying, well, what if I need some rest? My goodness, take a nap. But that is not what the Sabbath is about. And it is so much deeper. It is another picture for us of law and grace. And it is so rich and so beautiful. And I hope that today you will rest in God, who is the one who makes us holy. We'll see you again tomorrow. Thank you so much for journeying with us today at Simpler Bible through another section of scripture where we come to know and understand God a little bit better. Look, if you're brand new to Simpler Bible, we have all sorts of resources available for you. Go to our website, simplerbible.com, and there you can find these videos, you can find our podcast, you can find links to our social media, and you can even find a blog post with additional scriptures if you want to go into a little bit more study than we had time to cover in this podcast and video today. We hope that this tool will be exactly that for you, a tool. Not something that replaces your daily walk with God, but something that enhances your daily walk with God and helps you to know and enjoy Him more. Thank you so much for being part of this, and we'll see you again tomorrow.